Hello. There you are. I'm dying to talk. Wait, one second. Really quick. Hang on. Un café con leche. Gracias. And what's going on, girl? Oh, trouble. Trouble in paradise. Welcome to Double Trouble, a podcast narrated by identical twins living in organized chaos, trying to figure out what's up and what's down in this world, all while living 2,000 miles apart. Join the combo, my friends. Welcome to Double Trouble. Twin time, talking chanter, banter. Checking in. We're here. <laughs> What's going on now? Nothing. Ready to talk a little bit about light tech, not to be confused with TED talk. Not a TED talk. We would need PhDs for that. That right? we would. Yes, don't yes. have all. A lot more experience under our belt. <laughs> well, I mean, given I do feel like we do have PhDs in parenting, or at least between the two of us could have one PhD in parenting. We think we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we want today, we are going to be talking about technology and children and how it affects us and the choices we have to make as parents and guiding our kids. And let's start first. So, it's ironic because we we usually like to start the podcast with just kind of talking about what's going on right now. Yeah. Just like the trouble, what's kind of coming up in our week. And you actually ironically did bring up to me a little bit of the, not issue, but like a little thing I've been dealing with this week. Technology in the, in the adult's life. Yes. Well, you know, I said that last week I was kind of approached my husband because I started to feel like we needed to create some boundaries around the bedroom and technology to me, it felt like a very innocent conversation. And it's not, I wasn't even blaming him. The truth is we all know that as women and mothers, and if you're working late or you're catching up with school emails or whatever it might be, we end up on our phones too. But I brought it up with just kind of trying to create some awareness around it because I'm getting concerned that if we don't have boundaries around the bedroom with our phones and technology, we could look back five years later and go like, we're losing our ability to communicate and to catch up on our day-to-day lives. Which, by the way, I just want to reference this. You're saying bedroom, but that could also be the living room or the TV, you know, when when you get your kids to sleep. It's like your alone time. It's exactly. It's alone time. Wherever that alone time is, it just so happens most people, maybe by the time they have their kids down, they're going into their bedroom. But it could be whenever. It could be that time when you're actually, let's say the hour and a half you have from when your kids are asleep to when you go to to sleep, assuming that you have an hour and a half. Maybe it's 45 minutes. Right. But if the phone is in front of you for that 45 minutes, that 30 minutes, that hour and a half, it completely erases that time. And as we know, the power of the cell phone, it is time distorting. I mean, you can think you're on the phone for 10 minutes and you're like, how did I just burn 35 minutes? Right. It's time distorting and it's distracting because that's one of the things I notice. And like my husband is so sweet, like I'll want to tell him something and he'll put his phone down. But I can see that his brain is still thinking about whether it's like the fantasy football trade or, you know, the response to the group text. I remember reading something that was like, it takes a full 27 or I don't know, 47 seconds to when you put down a text message or a phone to actually be in your present moment. So even though you're physically not looking at the phone anymore and you're not in that conversation, that there is essentially like a lap time, an overlap time of until you are actually present in the new conversation with the person that you're sitting in front of, because you're still like decompressing 
from the text message, let's say. When you're talking to your um, spouse or your whoever it might be, you basically have to ask them to count to 45 until you tell the story. <laughs> yeah, or 45 like 45 seconds. Or they have to walk in a circle three times, jump on one leg and touch their nose with each finger. <laughs> Are you ready for my story? <laughs> Very interesting, terrible. Yeah. Are you ready? You're listening. All ears. You're already torturing them. That's it. Like I'm already, I just can't even imagine. I, I've actually asked my husband sometimes, I'm like, what did I just say to you? Repeat it back. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, did you actually hear what I said to you? Right. So, you know, with that, I will say that he like, naturally he was like a little bit protective and defensive. And that was even more upsetting because I understand it because at the end of the day, we all have ways that we like to decompress at the end of the day. And if you're working hard and you're on computers and you're interacting, we all need those like those moments of chilling or checking in with whatever it might be that's important to us. But like I said, the bigger concern is, is that if you swallow that time up with social media or even text messages or emails, then you just lose your, your, your chill time to communicate. And this is the world we live in now. Well, and I was going to say also when people call each other on it, because same in, in any marriage, I'm sure each person takes jabs at each other, not jabs, but moments of being like, put your phone down. It's so hard when you're on the phone, you're, you get defensive. You're like, okay, right. I'm just reading this. I'm just finishing this. Or I'm, there's kind yeah. of like this protectiveness yeah. that you get. And you know that it's not coming from a bad place, either one, but it's hard to not be in that. So I think you're right that there is something good about if people can do it creating a boundary of saying, okay, in the living room, we like stay in the living room to decompress with your phone if you want to. And then by the time we come to the bedroom, let's put, take the phones. Oh, I, I think I told you, I saw something like these little beds for phones, like that you actually put your phone to bed in a little stand. Well, yeah, it's like, it's like the mirror ball or something, or you put it in a, in a sleeping bag or something. Yeah. Like the mirror ball at home or, yeah, you know, yeah, yes. like every day mirror ball, put your okay, phone to bed. What you're saying, I like that idea because I was even saying like, wonder if at 945, everything's done. Like you just put your phone away and now we can just talk, maybe watch a show, but like we're both doing the same thing. And, and the funny thing is, is that to me, it's a win-win situation because I think generally speaking, like we have to men, cut our own selves off too. Well, that, and also like men are always wanting more intimacy generally men are wanting more intimacy than women. And by intimacy, you know what I mean? So to me, it's like- No, I don't. Can you spell it out? It's funny. To me, it's okay. And what does a woman want? A woman wants to like interact, be heard, talk, feel acknowledged. We just want to get our um, minimum amount of words out per day that we can. Or what is it? Our <laughs> Look, I haven't of- fulfilled my quota, well, actually. Exactly. <laughs> I would just like our 7,000 words a day. We're like, listen, I've got a thousand more words I need to get out. So just listen. But that said- if you're having conversations, then you're going to have more opportunity for intimacy. It's just facts. That's just like yes. a natural repercussion. Well, then the other thing is, is that I was just seeing something on Instagram the other day, like a psychologist that a clip was on there about how couples to like keep a strong marriage and partnership or whatnot, that they need 90 minutes per week of catching up, talking about each other's lives, not, not just 90 minutes of talking about a kid's schedule or social obligations, but genuinely like going through each other's lives, talking about essentially your experience, what you're going through, whether it's work or social or children. Yeah. Being Being present present and listening to each other and and essentially staying, because I feel like whenever you hear people getting divorced, whether it's like people, you know, or people in, you know, the public eye, it's always like, we just grew apart. We didn't have anything in common. And it's that idea of like the accumulation of not staying in each other's lives, not staying present enough. And when I heard that 90 minutes, I was like, wow, that's hard because 
it's not, that's not just one date night that, you know, when you're on a good phase, maybe you're getting two to three date nights in a month. If you're in a good phase, right. it makes me think about, oh, sometimes maybe you need to be like, let's meet up for a coffee or can we meet up for lunch? Stuff like, like that or Sunday well, morning. I know there are couples who do that. I think it really depends upon like work environment and if someone's in an office or- Kids you know. age. Exactly. I think we're just getting to the point where we can like on a Sunday morning, put the kids in front of the TV for a bit and be like, we're having our coffee. We're talking, like leave well, us alone. That's a good one. That's it's a good really one. Good. I like yeah. that idea of just doing a little it, spot we sit in. And- the only thing is, is that that would mean that the husband's not playing paddle on a Sunday morning. So, you know, you controversial. Mean you mean paddle? Yes, you say is. tomato, I say tomato. That's you right. You know what that's I mean? Right. That's right. Well, in, here in Chicago, we say paddle. Sorry, girl. <laughs> Okie dokie. Here we are as adults having issues. And then this whole thing is, we weren't even raised with this type of information at our fingertips. Now our children are being raised with this. And you and I both have kids that are right in that cusp where a lot of them in their class already have access to some sort of technology, whether it's their own Phones. smartphone or whether it's like their little watches Apple that they communicate. Watch. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of peer pressure around that and not active peer pressure, just influence around that, I'd say, that is getting a lot harder to navigate. I want to stop and just like before we go any further, say that I think it's very important when we talk about children and the way we're raising them and the decisions we're making as families that everyone knows that this isn't really about judgment. We should operate from the baseline that every mother is legitimately trying to do the best that they can with the information they have. We're all navigating it and it's technology is changing so quickly. It's not every day is different or every year, let's say, there's more that we're facing as parents to have to navigate and have to make decisions on of what will allow, what we won't allow. And research is happening in the moment too, by the way. It's not just technology is changing. It's like there's more and more research about mental health, about specifically for girls, but also boys. But, you know, we're seeing more mental health issues and repercussions to social media for girls. So now I think I always say this, like here where I live, it's a small community. And I mean, I remember reading once that I think 86% of people have a master's degree. And I find that daunting considering that I feel that sometimes there's not enough critical thinking being put into the the decisions in regard to like the communication with the phones and the watches. So I see that here too. And I feel that I think it's the pressures of life and the kind of the pace and rhythm that we move at, especially now, like kids being in sports and after um, school activities and their social events that parents actually feel the need to be able to reach and communicate with their child. You know, are there other ways around it? Yes, there are. I'm still doing that because my son does not have a form of communication. But of course, is it easier? And does it cross off a bunch of other hoopla to get in touch with your child to have to have some form of whether it's the watch or the phone or whatever? Yeah, it would be way easier. But I I think a lot of people would argue that they maybe even like it takes, yeah, they, they are anxious and worried. So by being able to either track or see where their child is, it makes them feel better. And I will say that I've gone to a few of these conversations that the district offers here and they've been such wise speakers. And a lot of them are, are information-based database, you know, a lot of um, research. Thank you. And one of the things I, I saw last year was a woman came and talked about how the way that we used to do raise kids was they called it the fast life. It was basically like have as many kids as you could 
and kind of cross your fingers and just like hope they came home at the end of the day. Like mom, basically mom was one of eight. Hey, and, and honestly, us, a lot of people of our generation, I think were raised with a lot more leniency. We just, we didn't have people watching us all the time at all. We didn't I mean, have as many siblings as a generation before us, but we definitely had much we weren't overscheduled like kids are now. Oh, not overscheduled, but honestly, the amount of things that we had to be forced to navigate. I mean, do you remember when we went out on that boat with Kim and we were like rowing a boat and it was literally sinking? Like it was sinking. We were like in a sinking boat. Do you remember that? Actually, <laughs> no, I, I do. Like right in I think we Williams had to, Bay, like, right? Go, yeah, yeah. In Williams, we had to go like, this is in Lake Geneva. We had to go, we had to like go closer to shore and like wave people to like come and help us. Like we didn't have a phone. We just had to figure it out. We were forced. That, that's just one example. You know, I mean, thank God wow. we knew how to swim. I remember that. But, yeah. um, you know, I see one of the, so to finish that, th- this woman said that now we raise kids with, we have less children and we nurture them greatly. So there's obviously like, the, we are so much more concerned about their well being. We monitor them more. We keep eyes on them. We communicate with them more. But with that, what's being lost? Independence the ability to make decisions on their own. Well, and also to make little mistakes. Yeah, they're not actually having the opportunity to experiment or see what works or to make a little mistake or be able to then recover from a mistake. Like I took a wrong turn, I have to go back this way. And that roots like a confidence thing because now they, they this woman said that like college counselors and whatnot are saying that kids cannot make decisions, college aged children. They have to text their parent because they can't make a decision on their own. And that, I mean, I certainly didn't look to mom and dad for any sort of college decisions. I mean, I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't remember. It was a blur. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yes, I, so this is very scary because I also think that as parents, our anxiety and our kind of creating this idea that the world is scary and this idea that like I have to monitor my kids. Like there's so many crazy people out there now and there's so many bad things happening that that essentially the message is being sent to them. Like, you need to be in touch with me. Like, as soon as you're done with school or as soon as you're done with this sport or this, like, you have to be able to get in touch with me and I have to be able to get in touch with you. It's subconsciously sending the message. Like, the world is scary. The world, you can't navigate it. You need help. You need my guidance. Now, given, of course, there's a certain extent that they do need our guidance. And I'm not saying- And we do know there's certain parts of the world that are very scary and there's certain aspects of the world that are scary. I do agree with you though. And one of one of the other women who I saw talk actually said that with a child who's say having a hard time going to sleep and says, I'm scared of vampires, I'm scared of vampires. And the parents keep saying, you don't need to be scared of vampires. Vampires aren't real. There's no vampires. But then next thing you know, they're like putting garlic all around the child's bed, which is like a very confusing message because you don't need to be scared of vampires, but here, just in case I'm going to put this around your bed. Yeah. So that's that's one of the things that I think it kind of like, I, 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 I even with my son, I- I will say I try to do the the quote unquote fast life a little bit. I don't give him, he walks to school or rides his bike. Isn't that the slow life? No, they, it's actually counterintuitive. They call that the fast life. Like, ooh, hoping for the best. The, the, the slow life is this nurture them greatly, have less children, keep eyes okay. on them constantly. No, I love that he can walk to school on his own. That's such a, like, oh, such a great um, training it, ground. It's not, training a long, ground. it's not a long, long route, but that's what, 10 minutes? Seven minutes? No. Yeah, six minutes. But that said- Six minutes more than most kids, but okay. After school, he doesn't, sometimes he doesn't show up. He does not come home after school. Like I'll realize, I'm, I, I'll look at him like it's four o'clock. He got out of school at 3.15. <gasps> and 
Yes. And I'll, and, and this is, this is why I'm saying that like, I do, I take don't, a, most parents could not handle that. Like that I, is a fact. So this is, this is why I'm saying I take a hit. Like I take a hit. I have to like, maybe I suffer a little bit more. Sometimes I have to send a text message out to, you know, six moms and say, Hey, did my son come home with any of your children today? Because he hasn't showed up yet. And I'll get a text message from like a nanny or one of the moms and say, Oh yeah, you know what? He came home with so-and-so. I was just about to call you. Oh, good. I was going to say there should be a protocol that as soon as a child that's not yours comes to your house, you text the mom. But okay. But guess what? They probably assume, assume. Oh, that's such that a he point. has some form of communication because maybe their child does. So I had to talk to my son and say, listen, you can't just say to a parent or a nanny, can you let my mom know I'm here? You have to actually say, may I use your phone? So this is inconvenient. It's a little bit more concerning for me, but I, and it's also like an extra like elevated heart rate. However, I feel like, why did I move to this area that's super high taxes, very safe? It's for these reasons. So I can then not track my child. So I cannot give him a phone or a watch at the ripe age of 10. And so let's talk about the fact that maybe he feels burdened that he has to go out of his way to call you. But with that being said, I always try to explain to my kids and mostly my oldest that what feels like a reward or a luxury of having the the watch or some sort of communication device, I feel like I'm really trying to help protect him from the burden of that communication, the burden of having to always be in communication and having to tell me where he is and like a monitoring device. It's like an appendage to them for the rest of their lives once they get it. They feel that, they, what did I write down? So we need to communicate with them at all times, like sports, logistics, changes, activities. There's so many constant movements that I'm like, that's, it's so anxiety redu- inducing to have to put them in charge of that. Now you have to text me every time. Like, no, just get through your day and call me if you need me. But do you the- know that I actually say this, that I noticed this about my son, that he is really footloose and fancy free. That is what he is. He's not. I wonder if technology would change him. <laughs> I, I think it could certainly distract him more. And I saw this the other day. My daughter got got off the bus and she's only in second grade. And she there was a few girls walking home who are a year older than her from the other school. And they were stopping in the front yard to talk to her. And it was so cute. I like peeked my head outside of the door and was like, hey, girls. And I saw one of the girls was talking on her Apple watch saying like, mom, I'm over at, you know, so-and-so. So I'm in the front yard. I'll be there in a minute. And she was like letting her know she's on her walk home. She'll be there. But it was a moment for me, I stood there and I observed that like the little girl couldn't look at me and say, hi, Mrs. Colgan. Like there was not that moment of recognition or just communication. And it was because she was busy reporting in her exact location of her walk home from school. Yeah. So it took her out of the present moment. The present moment. Which is, so I was going to tell the story also that I had where we in for my son's class, they some of the kids had started like a, a chat and he gave them my cell phone number because he doesn't have one. And so this was probably like six months ago. This all these messages started coming up and all the kids are on this chat and it's going to my cell phone. And at first I was like, Oh, that's so cute. Like, you know, they're like in communication. This is like a you know, very exciting for them. And I didn't do anything about it, but in a couple of days, it got really out of control because I mean, like a hundred, when they would start texting- Within 48 hours? Within 48 hours, it was like wildfire. And it would be like, you know, one word texts, but like, I don't know, 350 of them. I bet a lot of people can relate with this. So Yes. And so what I finally, I let it go for a few days and I, I saw what it was doing to my son. I saw that he was like looking for my phone a lot more. He was trying to it was really taking him out of the present moment. And so we have a, like a WhatsApp chat 
And I wrote to the parents and I was super careful because I didn't, again, I was just going through this on my own. I'm like, hey, guys, just want to touch base, like this chat formed. I'm just wondering like, what is your guys' experience? Because I, I think the kids are having fun. They're super stoked and enjoying this. I can see it with that being said. My son is completely not in the moment. Like I see him very distracted. He's constantly looking for it. It's really becoming disruptive. Like what are, what's happening on your guys' side? Basically, I was like, what's, what's going on with you guys? And I was so happy to hear everybody was so responsive and like immediately wrote back. Like, you know what? It's been really disruptive for us too. I'm taking my child off. Oh. I'm disconnecting. I, it was such a kind of like-minded, I, I felt very lucky that and I, and maybe right. it was also the way I approached it. You know, it was just kind of like- Well, present parenting, sharing. by the way, that they were observing that as well, because some people, they might but not But no one had present. said it yet. Sometimes it takes a person to say like, you know, to say it out loud, because I, of course, I felt guilty. Like, am I, am I the like, eh, party breaking pooper. up the, am I the party pooper mom? Of course I felt like that. With that being said, I ha- I, I wanted to know if I was going through this alone or if other people were feeling that. And it turns out, Everybody was feeling that, or at least 90% of them were. So it ended up being like a really good experience. This comes down to that question that I saw that, you know, you and I have some notes prior to talking, and it's really that big question. Can we protect our children from the burden of over-communication and having to always check in and be reachable and responsive? That said... I know that as adults, we even feel that way. Sometimes I'm like, I can't be responsible for constant responses to text messages because it's not realistic. It'll take you out of every moment of life if you let it. And that's with the world, but also even with your family. Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot check in every minute between the kids and the the partner and the, oh my God, the teachers and the constantly moving things. It's like, why do I have to feel so responsible for so many people to communicate what's happening at every second. You know, when we were kids, obviously we would get like permission slips. We still get permission slips. I'm sure everybody like, yeah. has to sign them. But I signed one last night. Most communication was like through being handed off to you. Now it's all email and it's some parents, I think it, it differs from what parents information they want to receive. Some parents like to know what's going on constantly and some are a little bit more hands off. But for me, I definitely feel like it's a lot of information and there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of like, Oh, mom's nights or, you know, or come and see the students and, and it's fun. But the more kids you have, it's like, it is hard to accommodate all these. It gets these. very complicated. I was going to say that I saw you sent me the other day, which I loved. It was like a screenshot of Kendrick Lamar, I think, being part of this, like releasing a f- or developing a phone. It's called Pocket. He's like, like partnering P-O- with someone, I think, right? Exactly. P-O-C-I-T, Pocket. And it's like a minimalistic phone. And I love this description. It said, the light too is a premium minimal phone. It will never have social media, clickbait news, email, an internet browser, any other anxiety inducing infinite feed. It's an experience we all, we call going light, which I'm like, wow. I mean, just that message in general is such a good one. I mean, I want it. But then I also feel like my life would crash and burn if I had that phone because the the world would fall apart. Wouldn't it be nice if you could have that for like most of the day? Yes. And then you could be like for two hours or one hour, I have my real phone, my iPhone to do all your other stuff. I mean, that would be great. I don't know if I could survive. That's what I mean. Like now we already have so much on our phones. I don't know if I could. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I would like it for like date night. 
<laughs> or like right. when you go out right. and like times that you're like, wait, I don't have to be attached and managing everybody's schedules and whatnot. But I, I did want to also tell you one thing that I thought was interesting that is like a a nice approach. I had a meeting with the headmaster of the school and we were talking about technology and the kids and whatnot. And she said that she's trying to work on get, getting somebody to come speak at the school. And she gave, she has such a good approach. She was like, you know, it's really not about judging. And this kind of goes to your point you had referenced. It's not about judging parents or making them feel bad for the decisions. It's truly about educating, giving information that's based on facts, on research. Like if they have access to X, Y, and Z, percentages go up for this X, Y, and Z, or you wait, wait, know, say, and, but be a little bit more just well, having for depression to, or anxiety. So or, like, yeah, if they have access to smartphones or social media, this is the percentage that will go up in anxiety and depression or isolation or, um, or ADD. I don't know. And um, I mean, I haven't seen this person speak yet, <laughs> but right. the idea is that giving information so that parents have more of an understanding of what they're getting into. And furthermore, they can be presented information, a different option so that the only option isn't a smartphone. Maybe there's other ways to be able to communicate with your child and to create um, also boundaries within those communications, whether it's like this, this pocket, you know, something that gives you the basics where you can text with your child or call them, but they can't. Well, I think there's a lot of watches that people, you and I don't know about those yet, but like gizmos or whatever. I think a lot of kids have these watches that are. I want to know what that does to kids though, to um, have wearing something like a twitch, you know, like I I, want to know that research. Like what is it like? I don't wear an Apple watch. I don't, I don't really want, I don't even like to carry my phone on me. I, if I go for a walk, I put it in a bag and and carry it at my feet. And cause I don't want it like, you know, radiation going through you know, to, to all my major organs. I just feel like, no, no thanks. And I just don't want something on my wrist. It feels like a tracking device. I'm like, why don't you just put me on house arrest while you're at it? You know? Right. Right. I mean, I obviously I agree with you, but th- there's lots of, you know, go ahead. But I think this is such a good, like, I think this is, it's such a, a theme that we are continuing to constantly be hit with new information and new technology. So it's, well, it's our not kids like a get finite. Too. Our, our kids, kids get, get older too. So they, we have to, every year it's like, like, oh shoot, I'm getting closer to it. Or they're, you know, yes, now they're on TikTok. But they're going to have a different experience. And I've heard of also like college kids going, protesting the use of smartphones and saying that they want to be able to navigate life without smartphones. And they're like, you know, protesting the fact that at restaurants or other places that you have to be able to scan menus and that they can't get through day-to-day life without a smartphone. So I love this movement. I mean, it's incredible. I'm like, yes, to the next generation, high fives all around because it does, I, I think they it's maybe- so restricting. Can, it's so restricting. restricting. And you have and maybe, to lean on technology rather than your own ability to navigate. Maybe they're anything. seeing adults from, and from a clearer view. Maybe they're like, look at these adults sitting at dinner tables and all on their phones. I mean, how often do you go to a restaurant and see couples sitting there and they're both on their cell phones? And I'm like, what Well, forget about couples. How about kids? Which is like a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic. Like the idea that going out to dinner and then putting your kids on an immediate, you know, smartphone or iPad and kind of robbing them of the opportunity to develop the skill of sitting still, maybe being a little bored, finding something to do, whether it's drawing or playing tic-tac-toe. I think really at the end of the day, when parents do that, they are craving their own adult time. So they're like letting their kids 100%, take that. 100%. Yeah. I think they're just like, I want to ha- relax and have a nice meal or have a glass of wine. I mean, my thing with that though is that it's like, then do it, but don't do it all the time because your kids can't do that. They can do it here and there, but maybe they can't go out for 
you know. Well, yeah, dinner, like a, a nice restaurant is at the end of the day, that's like for, for adults. If a kid can't sit still through it, they probably shouldn't be there. I mean, do you feel like, I feel like us even just growing up, you know, we grew up Catholic and like sitting in mass every single Sunday of our lives for an hour. It was such a lesson in self-control and the ability to sit in our own thoughts. Like, I, I mean, how often were you really listening to the priest? I mean, I would say one in 10 times. Because I feel I like, did not know what he was saying. Most yeah, of the time. <laughs> well, that could have been because of who he was. But you know, I feel like it taught. It, it's the art of like. It's almost meditative. I always say that that like growing up in the Catholic Church was like just an opportunity once a week to sit in your own thoughts. Like whether you're thinking about your crush or you know something at school or it's just like time to think. And well, not- it's like self restraint and self control, which apparently is very important for like becoming a self regulated adult. Right. I remember Ooh. reading, I wish I had something more technical to say on that, but I remember reading something about that, that, that specific quality of teaching kids self-restraint and something as simple as making them wait for dessert after dinner and saying like, no, this dessert is here and you'll have it after dinner. That is like a very simple lesson of practicing self-restraint and self-control that like helps them become very better self-regulated adults. You know what we could start with, with when the child wants something being like, no, I'm not going to Amazon it. Because that's like something that I see now that we know the Amazon culture, like kids are like, can't you just get me the tube socks that I want? Okay, we'll get you the tube socks, but not right now. Yes, we'll get you them, but not right now. I'm not going to order them online. I'm going to go and shop in person. Oh, It's like instant satisfaction, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think most importantly, we should just keep this conversation going. We would really love to hear feedback. I know everybody probably has different opinions and, and of course they might guard them tightly because any decision we make doesn't come easily. I'm sure like everyone's lost a night or two. And every decision has pluses and minuses. Like there is no one right way to do this whole thing. Lastly, to finish that though, I will say this. I think there's two ways of looking at it. One is like truly being like every family has to make this decision that's best for them, like being very respectful with that. And then there's also this sort of like, community responsibility where it's like, we are a culture that is affected by what's around us. You kind of talked about this in the beginning of this chat. So how can we work together to protect our children? And I talked about this too, with like the being an educated community, can we critically think to help our kids be a healthier generation when they leave here? These are the training grounds for the rest of their lives. And and can we take on a little bit of the responsibility of the community and, and acknowledge that Sometimes there's the initial for my family and then sometimes the there's the, hey, for us together, like it's a lot easier when everybody, I'm going to go really well, this is, this, is a, this, this is the wait for eighth thing when they tried to create that whole campaign, yes, wait exactly. till eighth so that like, so, it wasn't so difficult on the three kids who were waiting till eight. Exactly. It was like, let's everybody get behind this. I think it's just important to acknowledge that we are a group think culture. It's just the way it works. It's Peer pressure isn't at people sitting there going, hey, get a phone, hey, get a phone, you know, or like the way- Hey, that- drive, these, drive one of these five cars. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It, it's like peer pressure is actually essentially group think and just seeing what everyone's doing around you. So if everyone around you has the smartphone in fifth grade, 
it's really hard for that one or two kids that doesn't. I feel very isolated and, you know. Yes. So I feel like that's that's something that I just would love, love that conversation to happen more between other parents. Open dialogue. Open dialogue. Open dialogue and, yeah. And like kind of like collaboration in that way of- I love that. Of deciding things together, especially through groups of friends and saying like, let's not do this or let's create, or if there are smart smartphones, let's create these boundaries so that they're not on them 24 seven, right. you know, and, com- and communicate on chats nonstop. Right. So anyhow, but to be continued, and yes. I don't know, one of these days, maybe we'll get like a specialist on this podcast. To, Who has some facts. To floss us with some PhD stuff. <laughs> fact check. Fact check us. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Give us thoughts or, you know, even further dialogue if anybody has any more questions. That's what we should do. We should do a good Q&A. Yeah. Get them, yeah, let's get that let's going. Let's do it. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Double Trouble, checking out. Have a great day. Mwah.